read and hear more about important news, events, and public policy debates at ncnewsline.com. This is News and Views. Welcome back to News and Views. I'm Rob Schofield. When most people think about legislators writing, debating, and enacting new state laws, most envision solemn and deliberate proceedings chock full of parliamentary procedure and lengthy committee hearings featuring an array of witnesses, experts, and amendments. Unfortunately, that's not how it usually works in Raleigh, and that was especially the case recently when lawmakers rushed through a restrictive new abortion ban. State Representative Ashton Wheeler-Clemens of Guilford County told me last week the lengthy and complex new legislation went from being unveiled to the governor's desk in just hours, and that's a fact that's left her deeply frustrated and deeply worried about the well-being of young women and girls who are likely to be the ones most impacted. Well, Representative Ashton Wheeler-Clemens, welcome back to News and Views. Thanks so much for being back with us. Happy to be with you. So obviously the big news at the legislative building in past days and one of the most momentous bills really that the General Assembly has passed in years is Senate Bill 20, which is the new abortion ban legislation. You've spoken so eloquently on this issue. I have several questions. I thought I'd start out with the process. Can you tell our listeners a little bit about the way this bill was vetted and passed and how you as a state lawmaker even had the chance to be involved in it at all? Well, yes, that won't take very long since the entire process of passing the bill was a less amount of time than is now required for women to wait to get the health care that they need. So I am on the Rules Committee, which is the one committee that heard this bill, and I'm putting that in quotation marks because there were no amendments allowed. We received the bill that evening around 10 o'clock. It was heard at 9 a.m. the next day. I have three young kids and I commute. I was actually on the way home when the bill came through and then had to process the bill, figure out a plan, and be back at committee by nine o'clock after dropping my kids off at school that morning. So the bill was, I would say, presented in committee on uh, Wednesday at 9 a.m. and then was voted on in the House that evening at 1030 that night. No amendments were allowed at any point. In the process, you know, in committee, public comments, people were given a minute and a half, 10 from each pro, 10 opposed to the bill. But without allowing amendments to the bill and without giving the bill out in the public so people actually had time to look at it, I question whether that even counts as public comment because really Mm. it's just people speaking, not able to actually impact the process. So, and then... It was voted on the next day in the Senate. Yes, less than 48 hours after we saw the bill, uh, it had been passed through both chambers and with no amendments allowed. Why do you think they did it this way? Is it because they were worried that having an open process would somehow lead to changes? Did you ever get any sort of indication of what their motivation for this lack of process was? My sense is that it was a challenge for their caucuses to come up with a bill that could get the support of all of their caucus. All the Republicans, that is. Yes, because as you know, there have been there have been six-week ban-, ban bills charging doctors with murder. You know, we've seen bills in the past two sessions and before from people who had even worse views than what was put before us. So my sense is that you know, this bill was carefully, or the ideas were carefully crafted in a way to get their caucus on board, and they didn't want to open it up. But, you know, I also think they know that this is not popular. This is not what North Carolinians want, and they didn't want it to 
be dwelled on any longer than it had to be. So those two things are my sense. Yeah, that's perhaps a good segue into sort of some of the substance of the bill. It's been sort of touted by the sponsors and supporters as a compromise or some sort of common middle ground position. But as I understand it, the bill actually greatly restricts abortion access from the moment of conception, right? I mean, as a practical matter, it's 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 now going to be even harder than it than it's been right from the moment of conception. Yeah, I, you know, I reject that it's a compromise. It might have been a compromise from the people that were at the table making these decisions. But if you look at how North Carolinians feel, this is nowhere close to a compromise. What we had and what have been law in our state for decades is a compromise that North Carolinians support. But this bill in particular bans after 12 weeks of pregnancy any abortion other than some limited exceptions. But as you say, It creates some extremely burdensome requirements for women along the process. This bill now, if a woman is raped and is trying to seek an abortion for that, it used to be that she could use medical abortions up to 11 weeks. That's now only 10 weeks. And that now requires in-person consultations, in-person follow-up after the pill is taken, a required 72-hour waiting period immediately. So any woman would now have this required 72-hour waiting period. And an extreme amount of personal data is having to be reported for every woman in the state that's having to seek this health care. So, you know, I think about, and I've spoken committee, but I have a daughter. And I think about if she were one of the five women that are raped in our country, how many times she would be re-traumatized by having to go through the process that has been laid out in this bill in a situation that was already the most traumatizing thing she had been through. So I believe that the restrictions they have put in place make this a much harder process than is already there. It re-traumatizes women who are already traumatized. It will have extremely disproportionate effects on low-income women who are now going to be taking off work for medically unnecessary appointments multiple times if they're even able to schedule those appointments because 30 counties in North Carolina don't even have an OBGYN in the county, much less a hospital, which is also part of the requirement. It's devastating to think about the women I know and love and the girls that I know and love and that this will be part of their future in North Carolina. We're talking with State Representative Ashton wheeler Clemens, who's the deputy leader of North Carolina House Democrats. She's a state lawmaker from, from Guilford County. We're talking about the new abortion ban legislation that's been delivered to Governor Cooper that he's, as we speak, he has promised to veto. We expect a vote on that uh, sometime after that veto is issued. Obviously, there's no other medical procedure that North Carolina treats like this. I'm at a loss to think of one. I believe there isn't any other medical procedure on the books in our state that North Carolina dictates to physicians how they should proceed in such a situation. Right about that? Yeah, correct. (laughs) And isn't it scary that we have physicians who have been trained who are going to be afraid to give medically accurate suggestions and recommendations to women in our state because they are afraid of the implications. As a mom to a girl, it scares me to my core that Mm. she will, you know, I was trying to explain to my husband how emotional I felt about it. And I said, because we are passing legislation that literally makes our daughter and the other girls in North Carolina more likely to suffer 
and die in right. childbirth, labor and delivery and being pregnant. And I felt helpless to stop it. And it's certainly the hardest healing I've had yet in the legislature. I thought it was interesting that the sponsors decided to, I've called it a fig leaf, but they've sort of decided to adorn the bill with some other language that purports to be about funding programs to aid women. I guess those are interesting topics to discuss. I wonder what your take is on on those provisions in the bill and how and why they were added. Certainly, I support and have advocated for many of those provisions, along with several other people in my caucus. I would support any of those provisions, but not the idea that women have to give up their autonomy to get $75 million a year, which, in as you know, in the grand scheme of a $32 billion budget is not much. I'm actually surprised that it's that little because the idea that that somehow justifies women having to give up their decision-making, healthcare decision-making power, I just adamantly disagree with. And of course, I believe people should have paid family leave. I have advocated strongly for early child care. All of those are provisions I'm happy to support and advocate for, but the idea that they are tied to women being less able to make their own healthcare decisions is not what I believe North Carolina wants and not what the women of North Carolina deserve. I guess we still don't know what's going to happen. We, there's still some faint hope that perhaps some lawmakers will change their minds and maybe there's a chance that a veto could be sustained. I wonder if you have any thoughts on that. And, and assuming the bill does become law, what you think the impacts will be politically in our state? I can't predict what will happen with the veto. I certainly hope that people on the record to supporting women making this choice would not succumb to political pressure. Um, but I don't know how that will play out. I do know Every person that was part of our caucus signed on to codifying Roe um, at the beginning of our session. And then, you know, we, of course, were united in our votes. So I'm clear on where we stand. As far as the impact, here's what I can tell you. I heard from seven women in the 24 hours after this bill who were like, I need to run for office. What do I do? (laughs) Seven in 24 hours. This weekend, I was with some friends. Many were Republican women, and they are fed up. They are fed up with this. They are fed up with not being able to keep their children safe from gun control and an unwillingness to approach that. And in our state, you know, I told them, I'm like, we're fighting, trying to roll back some of the gun safety regulations that we have. So I don't know. And it's a 2024 is a long time away. And women around me are at a loss for why our legislature is refusing to protect our daughters and our sons. I believe and hope that they will be involved as we move forward um, to try and bring more balance to what's happening. Coming to the end of our time with Representative Ashton wheeler Clemens, but before I let you go, Representative, I do want to ask you about another topic, maybe a somewhat more uplifting topic, which is the In some ways, anyway, we know that our public schools are under assault these days and struggling in so many ways, but it is also National Teacher Appreciation Week as we record this. You were yourself a teaching fellow and an assistant superintendent before joining the North Carolina House. There's still an awful lot of wonderful people in our public schools doing truly heroic work, and I know you share that view, and I wonder if you could shed a little more light on that. I was telling you before the interview started that I actually walked in to do this interview from visiting a high school. And I was meeting with the principal, but when he walked out, he had his arm around a high school boy and he said, you can do this, man. 
And the high school boy walked out of the office, and then I sat down with the principal to talk about his concern for the reason he had asked me there. And I said, is he okay? He said his grandmother died, and that's been his most important person in his life. And there are teachers all over this state every minute encouraging the vulnerable children of our state that many of us will never know. And it is an honor to try and raise their voices. I add to that, though, they are at a crisis point, and we can do something now, or the North state of North Carolina will be paying the consequences 10 and 20 years from now. Every time I talk to an educator, I feel more sure that we have got to change course on the way we're approaching public education in North Carolina. So... I think that this week is a good week to honor the teachers who are doing the hard work every single day. You can't walk in a school for 30 minutes and not be inspired by something a teacher is doing and to honor them with our policies. Representative Ashton Wheeler-Clemens, thank you so much for your service to our state. She's the deputy leader of the North Carolina House Democrats. She's from Guilford County doing an amazing job and speaking from the heart and passionately and eloquently on so many issues. Thanks for your service. And uh, maybe next time we talk, we'll have some better news to, to focus on. Let's Coming up next, an expert on reproductive health in other countries tells us why the pending North Carolina legislation is way out of step with global trends. Stay with us.